Logistics is transforming our lives and the way we do business in today's ever-changing economy. If your company or community thrives on the quality of your logistics, then we'll give you a peek behind the curtains to the topics and people who are driving this exploding industry. You're listening to the Logistically Speaking GT podcast, produced by Global Trade Magazine and sponsored by the World Economic Development Alliance. You can listen to all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com or join the thousands that have downloaded our app in the Apple iTunes Store. Now, here's our publisher and our host, Eric Kleinsorge. Eric Kleinsorge. Welcome back, GT Podcast listeners. This is the Logistically Speaking Podcast, and I am your host, Eric Kleinsorge. And I am glad to report the chill is finally here in the air at the studios here in Dallas, Texas. And I don't know where you're listening from today, but there's something refreshing when you've been dealing 95-plus degree days and evenings for over two months. You walk outside to a crisp 62-degree morning. It's one of those times your eyes perk up, you take in an extra breath, and you realize a change of season is coming. And I'll tell you what, it has set the tone for today's show because I'm really excited about our guest. Today, we're going to take a refreshing look at our own, of one of our own small towns in Texas, people refer to as the Oasis of the Plains. We're traveling to Canadian Texas, which resides in the panhandle of Texas, and actually gets its name from the Canadian River. Now, to put it in perspective, Canadian resides in Hemp Hill County, which has a population of just over 4,000. Now, although they're a smaller community, big things are happening that are making companies take notice of Canadian. Today's guest is Shane Spencer, who is the Executive Director of Canadian Hemp Hill Economic Development Corporation, and Shane joined the EDC and Chamber in 2015. Shane is a native Texan and a 2018 graduate of the Economic Development Institute of Oklahoma University. In this episode, Shane is going to help shed some light on what's, what it's like to live and work in a dynamic Texas community. Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And Shane, first of all, I really want to congratulate you on your graduation of EDI. That's quite an accomplishment and kind of a beast of its own, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. You know, when I first started getting into this job, there's different organizations out there that can, can, you know, help you attain certain levels. And once you get to a spot where you're comfortable doing economic development, you find out, oh, I've never even worked in, in that part of it. So you start looking for uh, other ways to gain some education in this because it's a pretty unique field. Everyone knows that. So reaching out to OUEDI was a great choice. It's a good organization. They've got a lot of material that that is practical and is usable in in our daily lives as a as an EDC um, professional. So um, yeah, and I was going to say that's quite a pedigree to to be able to have someone of your stature and that education on board, not only to help the community but to help the businesses that are really trying to thrive there and the business right. is looking at taking a look at setting up shop there in Canadian. Right, yeah. So what, what I was running into was there's kind of a saying that you only know what you know. And so to flip that, you don't know what you don't know. So 
if you can learn more about what is possible to do with a company and what isn't and who to work with and actually how to approach a situation, there's a lot that, that can be said for reaching out and looking for some education in this field. And o- OUEDI was, was a perfect fit for me. I was going to do some online stuff, but I'm actually a hands-on learner, so I would go to their school that they would have for about a week, and it took me a couple years because of scheduling and family and, and, you know, just life gets in the way. Sometimes you can't make it to some of them, but they were flexible enough, and, and they do them in different places of the country, so it made it possible to gain some education and shed some light on, on what it is that we're actually trying to accomplish and do in our, in our own communities. Yeah, so why don't you paint a picture for our listeners today. Um, kind of give us a little, back, a little background about yourself and, and kind of what brought you into the field of economic development. Okay, yeah. I was brought in in 2015. They did a, a long search here for an ED professional, and I had never, ever even heard of any type of EDC work until about a year before I actually went into this to this job. I talked to the previous economic developer, and it was one of those fields where like, I don't even know what this is. Like, what do you do? And <laughs> and it's funny because other people will approach other EDC people, and sometimes you just can't answer it because it's just so broad. I mean, what is it that we don't do? There's no, like, exact thing. So, But my background came more from retail and uh, retail management and business management. I've worked for several companies in the past that were mainly retail and in a not an upper executive level, but more of a store management level. And so um, visual marketing, you know, basic staff management, um, running of the stores, um, I ran a champ store in Glendale, California, which was the number two champ store in the nation. And so it was kind of a, a visual marquee of the company. And so we would try different display patterns and, you know, striping of, of stores, and they'd try it out in our store. So, And then they'd pass it on to the rest of the rest of the company and try to replicate that in other stores. So it was kind of a of a like I said, like a marquee store. And so I ran that. And then um, be- prior to that, we were in California still. I worked for Sports Authority there as a department manager. Before that, I had done some electrical work through an electric co-op and also with XL Energy, which is in Amarillo. And Amarillo is where I grew up. So I'm, I'm a regional guy. I've been here pretty much my whole life, except when we were in California. When we moved out of California, we moved back to Texas, and uh, my wife is actually from Canadian, and she said, let's move back to Canadian, and I said, great. We loaded up and moved out here, moved from Los Angeles to Canadian, which is a huge culture shock, (laughs) and so I'm used to everything being open, you know, and you get here about 8 o'clock at night, everyone's closed, so it's a... It's a, it was a weird transition, but well, you know, um, we, if you think about it, that's that's a great perspective to have because you can you you know what it's like to be in a big city in a uh, 
you know, and, and kind of have the inner perspective of what it's like to to live and work in a smaller community. And not only that, with the business background, I work with thousands of economic developers across the country, and some of the best ones that can help businesses grow are ones that actually can speak their language and have really been in the trenches themselves on the business side. So I think that's really important. Right, yeah. So it's kind of a it, – it's a good – background for me because a lot of the stuff that that we deal with in this job relates directly to experience that I have not all of it does really it's just being a cheerleader and trying to help where you can and and not overstepping so you really have to know your clientele and sometimes that's hard because some of them want help some of them don't and some of them will talk to you and some of them won't so you just have to be able to approach people and be open to all kinds of of thought processes and understanding of of what it is they are going through. I've been there. So when we moved back here from California in 2008, I had a friend that, that ran the movie theater here in Canadian. And uh, whenever we moved back, he he sold it to us. So we purchased the business from him and we ran the movie theater up until 2018 so we ran it about 10 years here in town so we have firsthand knowledge of of what it's like to run a business here in town and basically an anchor business uh, it's a big deal here we have a really nice theater that was restored and so it was a, an honor and a privilege and also exhausting to run the movie theater for <laughs> For 10 years here but I ran that and and also I started this job in 2015 because we had some little kids at the time and we still have them of course but I needed a day job and so I started looking and I didn't put my my resume into this one because I, I I didn't know anything about it and my wife was like but you might be good at it and so I was like okay so she actually took my resume and sent it in to the to the board president and I got a phone call the next morning and they wanted to do an interview and I said, Okay, great. So I guess it all worked out and here I am. So I've just That's awesome. got got thrown into it and it's been I mean, I'm still learning after four years and two months. I'm still learning <laughs> all this. So these people that have twenty years of experience, I can see where it takes a while to get to get that good if they're in it for 20 years or more that's impressive because it's it's a hard job it's a it's a tricky spot to be in sometimes and but I think with with my background I bring a lot of humor which is my just my natural setting so I think that helps me get through a lot of stuff and I have a lot of fun doing this job but sometimes it's not fun but for the I mean 95% of the time, it's a fun job, and you're always trying to sell your community and bring people in and build people up that are in your community that think that they can't do it, and they don't have any resources, and they just have no knowledge of stuff. We have a whole list of things that we can help with, and if, if not, well, let us find someone that can help you, you know. So it, it's rewarding for both parties usually, especially – the person that's starting their business or, or expanding it or even moving in from another town that they want to come in and, and do something in, in Canadian. We like to be 
the one stop and the first stop that they need to get that done. And so we've got several programs in place that once we get to talking about those, uh, it, I think it'll shed a little light on how we can do that. Yeah, and you bring up a great point because I've, I've been blessed over 25 years to work with the other side, mm-hmm. thousands of companies that have expansion or relocation plans, and you see them put together these short lists. And I've stopped even calling them short lists. I call them initial areas of interest because lack of interest in an area is purely lack of education. They don't know enough about your community to even put them in for consideration. So I think that's really important to be able to share what a community has to offer so people get a real understanding. So paint a picture, kind of share with us why Canadian is such a great place for business. Well, of course, we're in Texas, so you're automatically, you're going to be in good company. The people that live in in smaller communities like this, they know how to work. The kids that were raised, they know how to work, with exception. I mean, for the most part. But, you know, they're probably ranching. They're probably oil and gas. They probably have some land. And for the most part, they're raised to know how to work and pitch in. So one thing that that really makes that part great is the school system and our um, just our general community is very helpful to to everyone to each each and every one of us we're a very inclusive community we tend to help out where we where we can and where we see that there's need and so when you breed that into your kids you know you your kids that you're bringing up the ones that come from here and they go off and and go to college and, and start a career they're usually very diligent about about their work ethic we've you know with social media we can we can see these kids that that we grew up basically raising as a community you know it, it takes a village they say so you follow these kids and you see that they they're doing great things they're they're highly educated for the most part i mean that you know they're they're out there working and and they understand how to work so when you're a business looking for a community, sometimes that's important when you, you want to fill your workforce with people that know how to work and they're not afraid to work. A lot of our families here are two-income earners, so we have a, a high median wage, and that helps whenever, especially a retail business, because there's a little bit of extra money going around in the, in the community, and they want to be able to prove that they can make sales. So that's one. Another aspect of of doing business here is we've got a lot of young professionals that have a bachelor's degree or higher. Those people choose to live here, and that's a good thing when you're looking for a workforce, that there's young and educated people that live in the community. And even though it's a smaller community, a lot of these companies that have you know, 25 or less employees that we, we're probably the best place they want to be because you've got a great quality of place. You've got young professionals. You've got uh, well-educated children, and you've got a successful school system and low crime rate. There's all kinds of great things that make it good for a company to come in to Canadian or expand for that part. And we've got 
several that are here to expand too. So, yeah, you, you talked about the values or the, the the people and the culture, and I grew up in a small town, and and that's the biggest takeaway I had from it. You know, my friends, my family, being from a small town, I knew what I did for a company or when I was working for a company could make a difference. You know, I wasn't stuck in a big major corporation that, you know, would get lost in the shuffle. So I knew I had to be accountable for my actions. And I think that just, it really helps when you're, when you're raising a family, you know, to be able to have them grow up in that kind of environment and uh, be raised with those kind of values. Oh, absolutely. All these kids are our kids. I mean, you can't hardly go anywhere without someone seeing you. <laughs> and you know how small small towns are. I mean, if someone does something, usually everyone knows within a day or two. They're like, oh, that was so-and-so. And and that's a good thing. And and sometimes that's a bad thing. But for the most part, if you're, if you're you know, doing something mischievous, someone's going to see you, and they're going to know who it is. It's not going to be a secret very long, so... Um, Absolutely. We take a a lot of time that is spent on on our on our young kids and our our high school kids. We have amazing school system. They're they're always at the top of whatever you're going to put them on, whether it's sports or academics or just a general impression that someone is left with when you talk about Canadian kids. There are always positive comments from other communities that say how well-behaved and courteous and humble that our, our kids are here. And so that's something we're, we're really proud of. And it's not something that is always found in a small town. That's one of the good qualities of a small town. But, but ours is definitely something you can back it up and you can say, yes, that, that's what we're known for is exceptional quality through our schools, whether it's yeah. sports or UIL or band even. I mean, there's all kinds of levels out there, and and they really push our kids to be as the best that they can be. Yeah, and also, you know, something I notice is with a smaller community, you really have a, a larger opportunity and ability to collaborate, not only with probably your county, but with other entities. What are some of the collaboration efforts going on there that can really make a difference, you know, for community and its business? Right. Historically, if you go to, you know, pick a town anywhere in Texas, for the most part, you might not get a lot of collaboration between your city and your county. They probably don't like each other for the most part. There's, there's some that they have to get along. But ours choose to get along. They don't have to. Our city works a lot with the county. They have interlocal programs that solve a lot of community issues together. We have a volunteer fire department. So this is an example. Volunteer fire department was funded mostly by the city. And even though a lot of the county is the one where it would have most of the fires, there's not a lot of city fires. And so the the city basically requested from the county, hey, can you take over this, this funding for this? And the county was like, yes, that's, that's not a problem. And so that's a small little collaboration that they do that just solves a lot of problems and helps the city spend some more money on, on our infrastructure that we need to make it better. And these meetings that we go to are, 
are great. There's a lot of thoughts passed around, and no one is wrong, and no one is right. It's just, it's, let's figure this out and find the best solution for the people that live here. And so they have a, a great set of commissioners in our county who are progressive, yet they're very conservative in, in saving money and putting money away for the future. And the city um, has just turned over uh, a new council. So we've got our city council members that were added in May that are very progressive as far as wanting to do stuff for the future and not just maintain the city. We worked with the Amar uh, Amarillo Area Foundation, to obviously in Amarillo. <laughs> so uh, we worked on a project for these lights. We have a, a place called Sunset Park, and it's a it's a big giant park, and but there's no lighting in it, and we have a, a lot of donated art pieces that are down there, and we worked with uh, a private individual and the city and the Amarillo Area Foundation and the county and the cultural district that we have here in Canadian. All those five entities worked together to develop this plan to add lighting down there. There's a 300,000 plus plan down there. It's a giant park. So now we're going to add in another event that's Christmas in Canadian. We're going to light all those trees down there and have Christmas in Canadian in December, um, something that's been been talked about for years down there. So we got all these entities together and figured out how to do it. And that that's a great example of how to collaborate with entities to get something done that the community wants and needs and just small things like that. Now there's bigger things that go on too, like our, our uh, sewer plant that the city needed to grow and to actually replace. The county has helped out for many years by just giving them a certain amount of money each year in the budget to cover the cost of it. And so that's another little collaboration there. And then, of course, my office, um, the EDC, we work close with the county and the city to cover any projects we have. We do a, a beautification grant for just about any of our businesses. We have a few stipulations, but for the most part, any of our businesses that want to do a beautification grant on their on their facade of their of their shop or front of their business, we can match it a 50-50 match, and, and we use county funds to go through the EDC to get that done for them. And then, so that's one way we work. And then, of course, we get sales tax from the city, so we're always working with the city on different programs that we have in place to uh, remedy any problems that pop up in the EDC world. So it, it's great to have the collaboration between all these entities in order to get stuff done. And a lot of times that's where your roadblocks are. You know, oh, so-and-so exactly. doesn't want to do that. And then you, you get over there and you try to get something approved and it gets thrown out because one person doesn't like it. And so, and I kind of ran into that when I first took over, there was kind of a distance between my office and the county and the city I guess some, some prior stuff that happened before I was here. And I, it took a little bit of time to, for them to get used to trusting what was going on here. Not that anything underhanded had happened before, but it's just, there's just a level of, 
of trust. And so even after four years in, we're still hammering out different problems that have come from the past because that's what you do. You learn from the past and you don't want to make that same mistake. So collaborating with them has has got a lot easier as the longer I've been here. And once you do a couple projects and they see that, oh, wow, this is a good one and we like that, they get a lot easier. And so it's kind of the glue that goes around the community. You got to have synergy. I hate to use that word because it's so catchy and trendy, but you got to have synergy between all three of them to, to get anything done. So the best thing that that does is when you have a project come in and they need certain things, if they do need incentives or they need land or they need, you know, anything that they might need, it's a lot easier here. There's a lot less red tape for any of these entities. They'll, they'll put you on the agenda and talk to you pretty quick. So we've got a process where I've got my meeting is first in the month, and then the next week is usually county commissioners, and then city is the next week after that. So if there is a project that comes in pretty quick that they can look at, one of the best things is we can put it through, and we can, if we have enough information up front that they can make a decision on, of course, but we can put it through, and it doesn't take that long to hopefully get some progress on a project. And so that's attractive when a company wants to come in or expand and they need to work quickly because you and I both know all of this stuff is needed now and, and they, the companies want it now and it's got to be done. If it's, if it's past a, a month, we can't do it, you know, so. No, no, Shane, you hit it right on the head because if I'm a yeah. business and I'm trying to conduct business, the last thing I need is some hurdles in my way to keep me from doing business. And I sure. see, you know, with that collaboration, it really, it paves the way to easy entry into, into your community versus I go to, I've seen other communities and they just want to figure out how many hurdles they can put up in front of a business, <laughs> you know, that they're going to have to jump through just to even open up their location. And sometimes two to three months, four or five months of not being able to efficiently get into operation and get things done can be a detriment to, to a smaller, medium-sized business. Yes, sir. And having that tr- level of trust and, and vetting, if we can do a lot of our homework before we put it in front of them, that's what we like to do to where we we know the, the questions they're going to ask, and we try to work those into the proposal to go ahead and answer that question in a proposal. And so it's just one of those things. It's kind of like do your homework and if, if you don't, then you're going to run into those questions, and then that plants a little seed of doubt, you know, in there. And so that's kind of, that's kind of on us, too, especially when we're looking at a project. If we've, if we've got a good lead and we're like, oh, I feel really good about this, and then you come to find out when you're going to present it that that's not the answer even that you were told, then, then you run into those roadblocks, and, and rightly so, because you want to make sure you have the right project and a good, solid company. And so one of the things that that we've done is we've pulled in a company called Leading Edge, and they are a company out of Amarillo, and they are business consultants. They help at a confidential level anyone that is starting a business or has a business, and they only work with EDCs. We brought them on last year, and they've been instrumental in several projects that we've had. 
and they've also been instrumental in weeding out several projects that we've we've had and we probably could have spent some money on and, and ended up basically funneling them out and saying, yeah, that's not going to work. So they help the company and the, the people and the owners understand certain aspects of their business they might not have thought of. That's helped a ton with getting the right projects in here. But it's also limited, some of them, but that's okay because they probably weren't ready yet or we really didn't want them here. So Yeah, so that's, that's great. That's, so that's another thing. Yeah. That, that's awesome uh, to know that that resource is there. Why don't you share some success stories with us about some projects that you've been successful with with Canadian? Okay, yeah, perfect. Well, when I came in, of course, I didn't know much about EDC work and started learning and went to basic. And a lot of times what I was finding out was, well, if you just go to SBDC and they can give you a bunch of information and that'll help. And I didn't, I felt that's kind of like passing the buck um, until I really learned how to do that. And so you just gain experience in it. And so some of the projects that that we've done and been successful with have been ones that might not actually be working with a company, but tend more to help the entire community. I'll give you I'll give you a good example of one that we did that wasn't exactly helping a, helping a business. We have an, a pretty good art community here. We have a lot of successful people that work in the arts. We actually have a world class art museum here. It's known as the Citadel, and so. That's one of them. We have several art galleries and a lot of artists that live here, a lot of educated people in the arts. So if you can't tell, we love the arts around here a little bit. So um, <laughs> we, we, we are cowboy culture, ranch culture, but we also have this art culture. So we started working with a couple of individuals in the community that felt like we should start exploring a cultural district. So there's cultural districts in Texas, I think there's only 40 or 41 at this time in the state that are considered a cultural district. These cultural districts are administered by the Texas Commission on the Arts. So TCA decides which communities can be cultural districts. Well, we worked for two years with several local individuals who have a history of working in the arts and we worked closely with them and gave them resources, and it really paid off this last year. We were selected as a cultural district in Texas. So that's one way that we've helped out without really creating any jobs as normal ED guys and gals. They feel like, oh, we've got to create primary jobs. Well, sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes you've got to do stuff that's kind of off the, off the chart a little bit. So what that has done, that actually paved the way to help complete this Christmas in Canadian project that we're working on to light the park down there. That's one. Another, probably the biggest project that I worked on was our internet infrastructure. For forever, Canadian was plagued with bad internet and can't get the right speeds. AT&T would not deliver us fast enough internet. So it was brought to my board to investigate that and see what there was we could do. So we looked into infrastructure. And of course, you can do that as a type A EDC. And so we started looking at what can we do to get better internet infrastructure here. And we ended up working on that for two years. 
and we sent out an RFP and basically told them what we needed. We needed gig speed internet and we want a fiber to the home. We want to be able to give our businesses the amount of internet that they need to survive because everything is going internet. We all know that. So we worked with a consultant and he came in and we spent for about $25,000, a little bit less than $25,000 over two years. We landed a company that's a regional company that is going to come in and they're actually doing it right now as we speak. They're um, laying fiber to the home and it, it didn't cost us any money in incentives. We had to show the incentive of being here in Canadian and what all there is. And they absolutely loved it. So they're here now, and we have them digging and, and putting in fiber and lighting up our businesses. We've had a positive response from it. And so now we've, we've kind of changed the, changed the outlook of Internet availability here. Now we have a gig-speed fiber Internet in the ground, in Canadian, ready to get on and start doing business on. A lot of our businesses have hooked up. This we've, We're hooked up right now here at, at the Chamber and EDC, and we have phenomenal speed Internet. We can, we can do so much more now. We're not limited. Our businesses are happy with it. We've got a major hedge fund that, that works here and chooses to work here instead of in New York or Chicago. They choose to be in Canadian, and it has brought a higher speed to them, and um, they're happy with it. All of our churches that upload um, video to our local networks can now do that with no problem. It, it's, a, it's a real, I hate to say game changer, but it, that's literally what it is. It changes it changes the outlook of of locating to Canadian with phenomenal speed internet. So that's probably the biggest project that we did. That's been that's been a good a good change here. Yeah, and I can hear it in your voice. You know, I can hear that you really enjoy making a difference there in the community. I can hear you you really enjoy living there, and, and I can only think back a couple years back when you're sitting in LA trying to make a decision of moving to Canadian. So why did you choose to live there? Well, quite honestly, it's clean. It's safe. The schools are great. The people are nice. Uh, I'm a native Texan and that never leaves you. So if you can't tell, I'm proud to be a Texan. But so when, when you're looking for a place and you want all those things. If those are important to you, that's, that's why you should choose Canadian. The, there's a lot to be said for being able to drive to work in five minutes and not have any traffic. There's a lot to be said for knowing who your teachers are and seeing them out in the community and doing things with them and um, being able to, to access people when you need them such as a professional, I could literally hang up the phone with you and call a, an attorney right now and probably not have to wait or get called back. I could, I could walk down to the coffee shop and see someone in there that I know and, and talk to them for five or ten minutes. And so a lot of that stuff that we do project-wise happens organically out of those little chance meetings that you see people. And so 
really it's a it's a close network and that's what I like about living here is you can trust almost everyone in this town with solid information when you need it and if you need it quick it doesn't take much to find it if you're not a expert at something I guarantee you there's someone here that is that would not mind picking up the phone and talking to you about it so there's there's some quick problem solving when you live in a small town everything happens a lot faster if you're gonna live your life this is just a different feeling to live in a place like this coming from California it, it was always stressful knowing that I was gonna have to drive to work and drive through traffic or take my daughter to an audition or to take her to be on set I knew that I was gonna be stressed out trying to get there so that's all eliminated now even though we're not doing those same things that part of life is gone you don't have that that level of stress in your daily life so there's little things like that that really 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 add up our proximity to Oklahoma City to Amarillo to Dallas to Denver even Kansas City is less than eight hours away from us if you wanted to drive it so if there's something we want to do that obviously isn't going to happen in Canadian like a sporting event or a concert or something like that you can literally drive there and drive back the same day and bam you're back in Canadian it's safe you can go to bed knowing that you're going to have a good night's sleep and wake up with your friends in the morning it's like it's just a good feeling to live here it's hard to describe it if you've never lived in a small town but coming from where I've been and, and all the things that I've done, you just feel a lot more comfortable. So it's basically the comfort, I think, is, is the main reason. It's very comfortable. Yeah, I, I think you said it very well. So to kind of wrap things up, speaking earlier of collaboration, you know, Canadian is one of the elite 25 cities in Texas in the nationwide Choose Texas campaign. Now, for our listeners that don't know, that's a campaign that educates businesses on why Texas is a smart location decision for any of their expansions or relocations and it's actually a free service to those companies who will ultimately create jobs but being a part of that exclusive elite 25 is a big deal so why do you feel Canadian chose to invest and become a part of the elite 25 well one of the main reasons is exposure for the amount of time that I've gone to conferences even in the state of Texas I've gone to these conferences people would say well where's Canadian and I would have to explain where it is um, how far it is from Amarillo and I felt like there wasn't an identity for Canadian and once I started looking around a little bit for marketing I found that it's it's a bit of a challenge to really focus in on who do you want to make aware of Canadian and so I honestly had happened upon an email that came from Choose Texas and got to looking at it and said wow I mean this could really help us out because I want people to know about Canadian and the possibilities that are here but this is almost a it's basically exactly what I need in order to do that and so um, we do have marketing dollars of course in our budget and this seemed like 
the best spend that I could possibly do to attract people to Canadian and give them a glimpse or even a snapshot into what it is that we have to offer that I might not be able to get out to everyone that I need. So really, when you look at EDC work, a lot of companies that are big, they need certain resources, and we, we might not have those resources. And so that puts us out of a lot of projects. And that's just the standard. That's just how it is. But capturing leads that would actually work in our community is very important. If we're looking to add someone to our community that we think is valuable, obviously we want to have it vetted. And so Choose Texas program looks into those companies, and and they do that work for us which saves me a ton of time of focusing my marketing on someone and also reaching out and traveling to them. And so if it's a good fit with us, I entertain any project that wants to come into Canadian. I can give you all the data that you need to make a decision on it. And even if it's not Canadian, maybe it's something regional that I know about, or maybe it's another ED, economic development director, that I know would work well with them. It's just getting you to Texas and knowing that you can be successful here. So it's another resource that I think is really going to expand the exposure of Canadian and that the aspects of this small town that can lend itself to bringing in different businesses and actually letting you expand your business here. And so that's the, that's the main reason was exposure of Canadian to the site selectors and the people that the businesses that that need to relocate or want to just start a business in the community. That's the main yeah, reason. That's great. And in speaking of exposure, we've got a lot of listeners here today that are, that are listening and they're becoming more educated about Canadian. So if I'm a listener and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm intrigued and I'd love to learn more about what it would be like for me to do business in Canadian, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Honestly, I like to talk to people. It's quicker, and I can filter through their question pretty quick. So if anyone ever wants to call me directly, you can either call my office or my cell phone. So the office number is 806-323-6234, and my cell phone is is always on. If I don't answer, obviously leave me a voicemail, but it's um, 806-217-2614. And then if you just want to look at our website. We've just launched it. There's some things we're going to change soon, but or we're going to add to it, but it's uh, CanadianTXEDC.com. And then also um, we have CanadianTX.com, which is our chamber website, which has a, a lot of information on it as well. So that'll give you a glimpse into Canadian. And you can always email me, uh, Shane at CanadianTX.com. And it's super easy to get a hold of us. We're on Google. So if there's anyone listening that wants to learn about living in a great community and being successful in one and having a great support system, call me up. I'm ready to talk, and we're ready to help you on your next adventure. Awesome, Shane. You are such a good partner of ours, and I really want to thank you for taking time out of your valuable day to share what you call home Canadian Texas. And I do hope you'll join us again in the future and I want to thank you for everything you've done for your businesses there locally and for the ones that are considering locating there. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, we appreciate uh, working with 
with us as well. We're excited about this new uh, Choose Texas that that we've jumped on. It's it's not a new program, but we're new to it. So we're excited about what's going to happen, and and we hope to uh, travel on in the future with you. Awesome. Till we meet again, I'm Eric Kleinsorge signing off and saying goodbye till we meet again on another episode of Logistically Speaking. You've been listening to the Logistically Speaking GT podcast. We want to thank all of our astute readers of Global Trade Magazine and thank all of our great advertisers that help make this possible. Remember, you can subscribe and find all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com. We hope you'll return next time for another great episode of Logistically Speaking. And don't forget, globaltrademag.com's daily news and information is ranked number one by Google.